Okay. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. Welcome to Saturday Night Halaqa. So tonight, we're going to talk about some of the proofs for the existence of God, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we're going to try and make it very simple because uh, of the audience. Uh, and I'm, I'm also going to limit it to what is mentioned in the Quran. So the evidence that you see in, in the Quran. And uh, these proofs are different types. So the first type is what is called uh, fitra. Okay? So fitra is a word that we all should know about. It is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. So we should be familiar with it. What it is, what it means, and so on. So you might say fitra is the intuition. Intuition. And all of you know what that means, right? So intuition is like your gut feel. It's a feeling you have deep within you. You may not be able to explain it, but it is something that you recognize. It's like a hunch, we say. All right? So it's like an overwhelming feeling that uh, you, you, you sense. And it comes, uh, sometimes it comes strongly. In certain cases, it will come to the surface. For example, when you're stuck, when you're in trouble, we're going to talk about that. When you're in trouble, when you're stuck, you feel the urge to call upon a higher being. So that is an example of intuition. So today is going to be a little difficult. If you don't pay attention, you're not going to get the material. You're not going to get the um, content. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, and this is appealing to this sense, to this intuition. Uh, he said, is there any doubt in Allah, the creator, the starter, the originator? Fatir is the originator of the heavens and earth. Of the heavens and earth. Is there any doubt? So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is appealing to our senses and he's appealing to this intuition. Like by default, uh, you should recognize this higher being, this higher power. And uh, this ayah is appealing to that. Now, we are born with this fitrah. So we're not born with a blank slate, like some people say. We do have an initial state, we could say. We have some initial state. We're born with this basic knowledge that there is a creator, that there is a higher being, that there is a God. So we are given this at birth. And like I said, we can call it uh, you know, initial knowledge. The Prophet والسلام, in the hadith, he told us, Every single newborn, every single baby, every single human being is born with this fitra. So every newborn has this initial uh, knowledge. It, it, they have this initial knowledge. Inshallah, questions later. Sorry. Keep it though, memorize it, don't forget it. So we have this initial state, and the Prophet ﷺ tells us in the hadith that all of us are created equal in that sense. No one is given more knowledge than the other. All of us are created with this basic, basic knowledge. We are created with the knowledge that there is a God, that there is a higher being, that there is a creator. There is a verse in the Quran that tells us about that. The verse says, 
وإذ أخذ ربك من بني آدم من ظهورهم ذريتهم وأشهدهم على أنفسهم ألست بربكم قالوا بلا شهدنا So it says and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your Lord took from the progeny from the descendants of Adam he took like a covenant so there was some covenant that happened before birth so it happened to us before we were born so before we were born there was a uh, a simple question answer between God and us and I don't know, it could have happened to our souls. We're not told exactly what it is or how it happened. But basically what happened, وَأَشْهَدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ God asked a question to us. It's like a testimony. He said, am I not your Lord? So he asked the question to every one of us. Am I not your Lord? And the answer was, Yes, we testify. So there was this initial testimony before birth that yes, Allah, God is our Lord. And this is why a lot of times when we're in trouble, we appeal to this power. We don't think about it. It comes naturally because it's embedded within us. It's innate. It's within us. So you don't have to reason. You don't need any logical reasoning for this proof. It comes naturally. Especially when you are in trouble. Now, we are born with that fitrah. We are born with that state. But in life, many people depart from that state. And that is due to the environment. It's due to upbringing, to a lot of influences. We might lose that fitrah, or we could lose part of that fitrah. But it is very possible that all of us can go back to it. And the Quran talks about that, that in certain instances, you see people going back to that natural state. I'll, I'll mention two examples, but there are many examples in the Quran. In one example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَإِذَا مَسَّ الْإِنسَانَ الضُّرُّ دَعَانَ لِجَنْبِهِ When a human being, any human, is touched by evil, by hardship, by a difficulty, they do what? They turn to God. So they've forgotten about it, but then they turn to God. دَعَانَ لِجَنْبِهِ He would call upon us. He would call for God. So this is when they go back to that initial state. They recognize that they can appeal to someone. A more specific one is the, the other verse. وَإِذَا غَشِيَهُمْ مَوْجٌ كَالْظُلَلِ And when they're covered by waves like mountains. So you are in the middle of the sea and there's a storm. And the storm is so strong. So that the waves are like mountains. What they do in that case? Da'awullah. They rush, they run to God, begging Him, calling upon Him, making dua. Mukhlisin And they are so sincere in their appeal. They are so sincere in their dua, in their prayer. And then when God saves them, they forget about it. They go back to their heedlessness. They forget about God. But you see, in that moment, they remembered the initial state. They, get, they go back to the fitrah. In that time, they go back to fitrah. Hassan, can you see where they're going? I don't, wanna, I don't want them to leave the building. Tell them to come back. Thank you. Now, one time, someone came to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. He's one of the descendants of Imam Ali. And that, that to illustrate this point, to see that this kind of evidence was used by early Muslims. So a man came to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq and he asked about God. He asked about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Ja'far said, Alam bil-bahr? Have you never been to the sea? Have you been to the sea? I mean, the sea is interesting because literally 
you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere to go. So really, you're on your own. This is when the urgency comes. Like there's no one to call upon. So you have no choice but to go back to your original state. So he said, have you not been to the sea? The man said, yes. So Imam Ja'far said, فَهَلْ حَدَثَ لَكَ مَرَّةً Has it ever happened that you've been in a storm, in a wild storm? And the man said, yes, we've been in those situations. So he said, And you lost hope. You lost hope in all you know, means of survival. Like there is no way to survive. And he said, yes, I've been in those situations. So then he said, then has it occurred to you that there's someone who can save you in that specific situation if he wanted, if he willed? The man said, yes. So Ja'far said, this is Allah. This is the one. Like some, some people, especially like if they're not religious, they may not be able to put a name or to uh, uh, you know, define it well. They might say, well, yes, I have, you know, I believe in some higher being. Uh, they don't even call it Allah or God or anything. But they recognize that there's something uh, higher than themselves, more powerful. So he said, whatever you, you appeal to in that moment, where no one else can, can come to your help, no one else can come to your aid, this is Allah. And this concept you see again in the Quran, uh, over and over again. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that these people who are atheists, these people who are uh, disbelievers, He told us, In the appearance outside, they might deny it, but within themselves, they know about it. They know the truth or they know some of the truth. So it is in them somewhere. And sometimes you have to dig it up. But they know it. Deep down, they know it. Amar, you're late. Saad, same. This is your kind of topic. So we'll, inshallah, we'll recap. So we're, again, we're talking about some of the proofs of the existence of God. And today we're focusing on two types of proofs. The first type is fitra, which is intuition, or the initial state we are born with. And so far we've covered that first type of proof, which is uh, the intuition or this uh, hunch or, or gut feeling we have. And we saw when it comes out. It may not manifest all the time, but in some times it will come out, it will surface. Okay? So this is the first type. The second type is what we can say as, or we can group as universal signs. These are signs you see in the universe. So the universe has signs that tell us about the existence of God. So by looking around us in the universe, we can get clues. We can get clues about the existence of Allah. And that is the second type. So under this type, we're going to see different types of proofs. Under this category, we're going to see different types of proofs. Again, you're not supposed to leave the masjid over there. I don't know where they're going, but... Okay, so uh, today we're not going to cover all kinds of proofs. For example, we're not going to go into the logical arguments. Maybe it's beyond the level of this class. Or we can, if some people ask. But today, inshallah, so now we're going to focus on the signs. Like there are certain signals, certain signs in the universe that we could, we could use to get to this knowledge. Now, the universal signs, the signs in the universe are summarized in 
one or two verses in Surah Al-A'la. We, we all should memorize Surah Al-A'la. Surah Al-A'la starts like what? Sabbih isma rabbika al-A'la, right? Alladhi khalaqa fasawwa walladhi qaddara fahada. That's it. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, say tasbih, meaning you glorify, you glorify your Lord the Most High. And then look what he said, the next two verses, very, very small. He mentions two and then two. These are the four types of proofs. He said, Khalaqa, he created. Sawa, he mastered. And then Qaddara, he put it in certain amounts. So the amounts are very precise. And he guided. You're going to notice that in the universe, in the creation, you're going to see these, uh, you know, uh, descriptions or these qualities. These are qualities you're going to notice in the creation. That they are created, that they are uh, well designed, that is, sawa. Uh, so this is the proof of design, or we can say evidence from design. And then you have qaddara. Uh, which is precise amounts. The creation in precise amounts, this is what we call the fine-tuning. The fine-tuning of the universe. And the last one is hada, guidance. How Allah guided various uh, you know, animals and, and human beings. Are you guys keeping up? Is it too hard? How are we doing there? It's all gonna be on the quiz, so better pay attention. You may take notes, I don't know if I told you before. I don't see many people taking notes. You're welcome to bring your notebook, your pen, pencil, and take notes. This is a sign of a good student. I know Barat used to do it in the past. Where is Barat? Where, he left? Yeah. What happened? Okay. Okay, not anymore. He was a good student. Okay, so it should be simple, inshallah. Let's focus on these four and then we'll be done. So we're not going to have it too long today. If we understand these four, that's great. That is great. So again, you all memorize Surah Al-A'la. So you, you could, you know, have these points in your mind. Khalaqa fasawa qaddara fahada. Four. The first one is the proof of, or the proof from creation. Like things, things that you see around you did not come out of nowhere. So someone must have started all of this. Uh, in the Quran, again, I'm gonna rely mostly on the Quran, I'm not gonna go too much into logic. In the Quran, there's one verse about this. It says, Were they created from nothing? It's a rhetorical question. Were they created from nothing? Or were they the creator? And the question is, that's supposed to be, no, to neither one. So there has to be a creator. All right? Anything we see around us is possible to exist. It may or may not exist. But for all of that to exist, there has to be something that is necessary to exist. Now, I'm going into logic a little bit, but I'm not going to go beyond that. So, anything we see around us is in need of something that does not change, that is not created, uh, and that is perfect. That is really the argument there. So it's not possible to have all of this creation without someone who started all of that, who originated all of that. This is the proof from creation. The second one is, we call it the argument from design. So it's not just that we see created things around us. What we see around us is very complex in design. It's very sophisticated. Like when you look at the human eye, for example. That's not just any creation, 
but you see the design of the eye. It's very, very complex. Up till now, the human being is not able to create a similar thing. Now we're going into computer vision and all of that, but still, uh, whatever the computer can do is not nearly enough what the eye can do, the human eye or the, the, uh, the eye of the animal, for example. So this sophistication you see in the creation is a proof for the existence of a designer, meaning God, meaning Allah. So that is the second proof. There is a, a story we hear sometimes from Muslims. Uh, it could have occurred to different imam, but the one I, I remember is from Imam Abu Hanifa. It says that Imam Abu Hanifa was on his way to debate uh, a non-believer, someone who did not believe in the existence of God. So Imam Abu Hanifa on his way, he delayed himself on purpose. He arrived late to the debate. And the disbeliever or the atheist said, ha, ah, see, you're, you're already late. Like, uh, you know, I scored one point. And can you tell us why you were late? So Imam Abu Hanifa said, you know, on my way, I usually, there's a canal. There's like a, a water uh, stream, a canal. And usually I take like a ship or, or a boat. But today for some reason, when I got there, there was no ship, there was no boat. So I kept waiting and I, I, know, I know I was going to be late, but there's nothing I can do. But all of a sudden what happened, I saw these pieces of wood come together and assemble and the, I saw these nails come from the sky and they, they get nailed to the wood and all of a sudden I see this beautiful ship and said, wow, what a miracle. So I rode on that ship and I arrived to the second uh, bank, you know, the other side and I was able to make it here. And then the atheist said, ha, huh? See, you, you asked me to debate a crazy man. Who would believe that? This is unbelievable. This is not possible to happen. Like how can a ship assemble itself? And Imam Abu Hanifa said, yeah, I, I made this up, by the way. If you cannot believe that a ship can assemble itself, then how can you believe that this huge universe with all its complicated design, the trees, the fruits from the trees, the moon, the stars, everything. How can you believe that all of that assembled itself with no uh, designer, no creator? So that was the argument that Abu Hanifa brought forth. And this is what we refer to as uh, argument from design. Here, we're relying on the fact that we see so much design around us in the universe. And we're concluding that there has to be a designer, which is God. Now, <clears throat> this argument is not limited to Muslims. In the 1800s, there was a, a scholar, uh, I think he was a, a Christian scholar, who was also trying to do the same thing. Because here we agree. I mean, all of us are trying to prove the existence of a God, so it doesn't matter if it is a Muslim or a non-Muslim. But he came up with this uh, similar but different example. He said, if I'm walking in the jungle, if I'm walking in, in nature, and I stumble upon a rock, I mean, a rock is a rock. There's not much design in a rock, right? It's just a rock. It doesn't necessarily serve any function. Right? It does not serve any function. Right? So I may not be able to conclude that there is a designer behind it. But he said, you know, if I'm walking and I stumble upon a watch. Now the watch is a clear evidence of a design. Because you look, it has a certain function. It tells us time. And it turns in a, a very specific way. And it has, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, pieces that are put together 
to serve a very specific function. And you cannot say that this came by coincidence, that the watch assembled itself. So he said, when I see that watch on the, on the ground, I immediately conclude that there has to be a what? A watchmaker. So this is the argument of the watchmaker. His name was William Paley. And he's written a book about that. I have the book. I should have brought it. I forgot. So an interesting um, an argument. But it is the same thing. It is the argument from design. We look at something that is very specific. It serves a very specific purpose. Just like the eye. The eye serves what purpose? The purpose of seeing, right? So it's not like a rock. Uh, you know, the hand has a very specific uh, function. The, the ear for, for hearing, right? It has a very specific function. So someone must have made it to, to, to serve this particular function. Is that clear? So this is the argument from design. So that is number two. Number three. Not only that we see the design, but also we see something really interesting, which is fine-tuning. Fine-tuning means that all these, I mean, if you study physics, for example, all these constants we study in physics, they are very precise, very specific. For example, gravity has a constant. I, I don't know if I remember. Is it 9.8 something? 9.81? So it's, what is it? Close enough, 9.81, if I remember correctly. If gravity was a little bit less or a little bit more, life could not have existed. Okay, what do I mean? So, if, if gravity, by the way, gravity is very, very uh, weak as a force, is very, very weak. Like you can hardly see it. And unless you have something really large like an earth or a, a star, the gravity itself is very, very weak. So if gravity was very strong, for example, you could not walk because you're going to be stuck like a magnet. You're going to be so heavy. The reason you're light uh, enough to walk is because gravity is light. But it's not too light, so you don't fly. If you go on, uh, on any other surface, like the moon or uh, something even smaller, you won't be able to, to stay on that surface. You have to float. But it's, it's even much more than that. If gravity did not exist, then you would not have galaxies. Because the reason we have galaxies, collection of stars, is because gravity is pulling them together to form a galaxy. I'm not going to go too much into science. I'm, I'm, my point is, it's so precise. If electrons did not exist, then we would not have atoms. We would not have chemistry, because chemistry is a reaction between atoms. And then we would not have biology, which is the origin of our existence. The origin of life is chemistry, or you can say biochemistry, which is based on electrons. So why do, I mean, electrons exist, and they are very precise again. I mean, the distance between the electron, the atom, it's very, very precise. Not to mention the amount of oxygen in the air, so if we had more, then you, 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 you would burn, or, or things would burn uh, automatically. Your lung would not be able to handle it, you won't be able to live. If you have less oxygen, you cannot breathe. So that amount is very precise. So that's what we call fine-tuning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to that in the Qur'an, where He said, وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا He created everything, and He created it in precise measures. Now remember, this was said 1400 years ago, before physics. But He told us, Everything is created in precise measures. Qaddarahu taqdira. Taqdir is to weigh something and to uh, uh, weigh it in a precise amount. So he said everything that is created is weighed 
and, and, and is measured in precise amounts. So this is the fine tuning. That everything around us seems to be exactly the way it should be. So is that by coincidence? So that's the argument. This is the fine tuning argument. There are other ones, like if you're into physics, there's the cosmological constant. And that's such a, such a small number. But if that did not exist, and basically this is the anti-gravity. Okay? So if anti-gravity did not exist, we would have collapsed. We would have like uh, imploded. So the fact that we're exactly, uh, the, 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 you know, the distance between the stars, the distance between galaxies, galaxies is the way it is, is because we have these two forces competing. One is pull, pulling us in, and the other one is pulling us out, or pushing us out. And you have this very delicate balance between the two. So all of that is precise. And that is the argument, that it is very precise. So how can all of that be by coincidence? Okay, so that is the third type. And the last one is guidance. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created these beings, He guided them, He did not just leave them. So for example, when the animal is born, they already know what to do. When the chick is born, they know how to uh, you know, eat and drink, and they know how to uh, seek shelter, they know how to protect themselves, and they have not had a chance to learn it from other beings, from other animals. So it seems that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala injected in every being a sense of guidance, and that is what it says. قَدَّرَ فَهَدَى so this, this, this is the guidance. This is not talking about religious guidance. It's not talking about guidance to Iman here, guidance to Islam, no. This is guidance that is provided to every created being. And we can think of many, many examples like that. Especially in the animal kingdom. Uh, you know, uh, before uh, any bird is taught, they know what to do, they know how to swallow. I mean, even that is not, sim it's not simple. They can tell what, what food is good, what food is not good, and, and so on. An animal, like if it's a mammal, they, they are born and they can walk right away. We have to learn, right? I mean, it takes a year, two years to learn how to walk and, and your parents have to teach you. Like they have to tell you, you know, you hang to the sofa and you start walking sideways and you fall but it's okay and you pick yourself up and you try again. You don't have to do that to the animals. You know, a cow is born and a calf is born and they stand up and they walk. So who taught them that? Hmm? But do you, do you see them uh, like, do you see somebody teaching them? Yeah, their moms teach them. I don't see... Have you seen that? Is it documented? I don't know, I'm asking, I don't know. Uh, but still is different than when a human is trying to, uh, to learn. All right. So, I mean, uh, I'm not going to mention all types of examples, but I hope I give you enough examples, enough examples from this. I'm sure if you go and, uh, uh, you know, uh, study it on your own or research it, you're going to see many examples from nature where you see, like, animals and, and, and birds and everything that they are born with some form of knowledge, some form of guidance, that did not, did not get it from anywhere. And that's what we're talking about here. So that is the fourth uh, proof from nature. Guidance. Guidance. Remember, on the quiz, guidance. Huda, guidance. Again, from Surah Al-A'la, الَّذِي خَلَقَ فَسَوَّى خَلَقَ is creation, from nothing, that's one. خَلَقَ فَسَوَّى سَوَّى is the design. And then قَدَّرَ which is the fine-tuning. And هَدَى is guidance. Is it all clear? Okay, great. Um, I think that's it. Very simple, huh? Alright. So what we're going to do now, we can take a few questions. Yes, of course. We're going to take some questions and then we'll do the quiz. Alright? 
think pizza is supposed to come in 20 minutes, so we have, we have some time. Maybe 10 minutes for questions, 10 minutes for quiz. So let's start from the right. Yes. So atheists say that like, like even if there was uh, a god mm-hmm. who made that god, so it's like they're, they're like they always find a way to like doubt the person and, and mm-hmm. like what they're saying. Okay, so what you mentioned, uh, so the, the uh, question is, um, atheists or some of them mention that, uh, if I got it correctly, what you said, uh, if there is a God, then who made that God, right? Yes. It's a common, by the way, it's a common question. And this is kind of a logical, so we're, we did not go to logical arguments today. But quickly, if you keep saying that, let's assume, okay, Fine, let's say there is. At some point you have to stop. And that's the real God. So let's say if we, we, we went with that argument and said, okay, fine, yeah, there has to be somebody who caused or created that being. So let's keep going back. There has to be a stop, you cannot go forever. And that thing, that being, we call the real God. Because the, the real God is the one who started everything. And uh, we kind of talked about that in the uh, evidence from creation. So creation here means creating something out of nothing. And only a God can do that. We're not talking about other creation. I mean, we can create in the sense that we transform something to something else. We can, make it, we can call you a maker. Like you can, we can call you a, a, a door maker. You made the door, but the door was made out of wood. So you're not the real maker. But God is the real maker because he can make it out of nothing. All right. Next. Somebody over there? Yeah. Yes. More? Yes, it is called fine-tuning. Good. Can I elaborate on the third point, fine-tuning? I like the way you ask a question, by the way. Elaborate. <laughs> Guys, hold on. I'll get to you, inshallah. You don't have to keep holding your hand. Okay, let me see if I can do that. Hmm. Okay, so fine-tuning of the universe. It seems that the laws of physics, the laws of cosmology, as we call it today, are very special. Like almost magical formulas, which you study in physics. And it seems like everything in the universe we know obeys the same law. So if, it, if this was created by random, if this came by random, then if you go to this star, you might have a different law than the other star or the other planet. But it seems like everything is following the exact same law. And also, it seems that it's very fine-tuned for our existence, as if those laws led to our existence. Okay? So how can that be so, like, so special in, in this way? There has to be something behind it. That is the argument. So, these special laws seem to be conducive to our existence. The laws of physics could have been totally different. And if those laws were different, we would not have existed. Again, we're saying that Allah created those laws. But if those laws varied a little bit or much, we would not have been here. So that is the argument. Is that clear? I hope. Yaman. Yes. So to call, um, during the halakha we mentioned like uh, how like the existence of God is like like no question about it. It's like the complexity of the universe and everything. So my question is, um, I know there's like some science and like the bodies like that, like, like a, about the embryo mm-hmm. and like like the depth of the ocean like that that prove like existence of Allah. Is there any other like logical explanations that? Like how Allah is the correct God. How Allah is? The correct God. Correct God. You mean uh, Allah by that you mean the God of the Muslims? Yeah. Ah, okay. So the question here is in the Quran we can read some of the what you think I think what you mean the scientific miracles in the Quran and uh, those serve as a proof that Allah meaning the God that Islam uh, ascribed to is the true God 
So this is slightly different. Today we're not doing that. Today we're doing uh, you know, something general. We're talking about the, the existence of God in general. But it's interesting that all of the proofs we brought from the Quran, still. But then you go a next step. After you do that, the next step is then, which God, because there are many different gods, right? Obviously, there are different religions. In that case, what we need to do is bring some evidence like Brother Yaman mentioned, which is to look for uh, one, one way, not every, this is not all the proofs, but one way is to look for, excuse me, scientific miracles or signs in the Quran that proves, proves the uh, correctness of the Quran or the fact that the Quran is a revealed book. I'm rephrasing your question, I think, so far. But today, I don't think we have time to go over those. We should maybe do a different halaqa, just about that. Like, what are certain uh, scientific miracles that we find in the Qur'an? By the way, uh, I think some people go overboard with that. So we have to be careful. Like, what exactly is science? What exactly is in the Qur'an? And make sure that we're not overdoing it, like some people do. I see many hands, but let me go, complete the circle, inshallah, because... Go ahead. Oh wow, so this is kind of a different question. The question is quickly, what happens if there's a doctor and has a patient, the patient dies, but uh, he was killed accidentally, would the doctor be responsible? No, if it is totally an accident, then no, the doctor will not be responsible. At least not religiously, he might still be liable, <laughs> but that's different. Okay, uh, I think Amari had a question, or no, Saad? Yeah. So, you know how we said we said you know, logical uh, continuous right and like more the the person you mentioned about the fetus and everything. But so for example in the you know how the Islam talks about it certain Malaj where the Prophet went and came back, right? And he went like really quickly and came back really quickly. And I don't think any atheist can argue against that at the time that was really like out of the point. And there was evidence for him actually doing that, right? Could that be like are the miracles considered a reason to say God does exist? Ah, so the question is, could miracles serve as a proof of the existence of God? And as an example, you mentioned uh, Isra and Mi'raj. So maybe at that, at that time, it served as a proof. But can it serve as a proof today? Yes and no. I mean, this is... Uh, if there's, for example, somebody who is uh, totally uh, uh, an atheist or does not believe in, uh, in miracles to begin with, a miracle would have to be a proof if it was witnessed. So it was definitely a proof for the people who saw it. For example, when the Prophet ﷺ went to Jerusalem and came back, uh, people of Mecca who did not believe in the Prophet quizzed the Prophet about how the mosque looked or how that, how that region looked like. Okay? They have been there. The Prophet has not been there. But yet he was able to describe that region, that location very well. So to them, that, that is a miracle. Because how, how would he know if he did not go there? Someone could have told him. Okay, good. So there was another thing. He told them that on his way back, he saw some caravan coming back. And they checked, and it, it, what he said checked out, meaning it, it came true. We, we can also look into it uh, more carefully to see if somebody told him or not. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying in general, this would serve as a miracle for that time. But for this time, today, I don't know if we could use it as a proof. Because those people today, these people today have not witnessed. And this would be, this be true about any miracle, not just Prophet Muhammad. For example, whatever happened with Prophet Musa, with the stick. People today did not see it, so it cannot serve as a miracle. This is why we say the Quran is the miracle of Islam. Not, not whatever else happened. 
But I mean, we have to examine these miracles one by one because some of them might still work. So we have to look into them one by one. But in general, if you did not witness it, then it's hard to say that it is a miracle for you or it is a proof for you. Does that make sense? Let me finish this. You had one more, yes. Sure, you could say, this is a good question. I like these questions. So he said, if you are making something, but you are not the originator, you're not the real maker, then can we say you are the shaper? Fine, if, if you like shaper better. But don't be afraid. If I said maker, uh, I mean you made something out of something else. So there's no harm. There's nothing wrong if you said, I'm the maker. Look, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, listen carefully, this, you might come across that. It says, Glory be to Allah, the best of creators. You might say, well, how many creators? Because if I make something, I'm a creator. But the difference is, I'm creating out of something that exists. Allah creates out of nothing. That is the difference. So it's fine if you say, if you, even if you say, I created this thing. It doesn't mean I'm creating like God. It means I took a piece of wood, I carved it, and I made some furniture out of it. I'm the creator of the furniture. But I'm not like, I cannot say, you know, a, a magical word and the furniture will appear. I'll have to start with something and work on it. So these are just uh, expressions we make. As long as we explain what they mean, it's fine. Okay. Good questions so far. Have we completed the circle? Because we're gonna go back. Yes, yes. All right, let's yeah. go back. So you know how there's like um, different signs for the day of judgment, like, like that it's coming? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any specific like signs like the day of judgment to, like, to show that like, Okay. Uh, actually, we had a full halaqa on that. So this is regarding the prophecies. So one way, and this is more about to show also the prophethood of Prophet Muhammad, that whatever he said came true, right? So yes, definitely, this is one type of proof that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, predicted certain things and they came true as he predicted. I'm sorry. Sorry, just a sec. Is there an example? There are many. Let me see if I could remember. Uh, so obviously, so far, only the minor signs have happened, or some of them ha- has happened. going on here I'm losing my app sorry guys okay it's not responding so I'll leave it as is so some examples of the minor signs um, uh, so for example there's a the, the prophecy that uh, you know interest will be so common meaning the, the banking system this was not there before there is also the prediction that uh, that uh, writing becomes so uh, prolific and back in the days you have to you know have a scribe to, to write now we have uh, the printing press right so now writing becomes available to everybody and becomes very very common uh, for example he, he talked about um, uh, that trading also becomes so well connected uh, he said like um, uh, for example, time uh, becomes much faster. This could mean many things. Uh, he talks about the fact that killing becomes also very rampant, and now we have collateral damage. We have people dying in massive quantities, which is not possible before. Now we have all the wars and uh, these weapons, like the nuclear weapons, for example. I mean, there are many, many things like that. I think if the sum of all of that would create a good proof. Okay. You, so, you, you probably can pick on individual items. I'm just giving you quick examples without thinking. Just really quickly, so you're saying that like he said that killing will become more rampant over time. 
So that means like, yeah. like, there, like he said. He said killing becomes so much, so many. That means like, so there's not going to be any point where it lessens. It's just going to keep on. Uh, I'm sorry. There will be any. So the killing is going to uh, like throughout like time. It's going to keep on going up and up and up and like that amount of it, but it's never going to. Oh, it's not going to lessen eventually? Yeah. No, there are not much details like that. I mean, he's not describing necessarily a period of time and then there it goes down and up. No, it, in general, he said, For example, he also said in Sahih Muslim, uh, it comes a time where the killer would not know why he's killing and the killed would not know why he's killed. And this is indicating something that did not exist before. Because in the past... Basically, you just face the enemy, and you, you intentionally kill the one in front of you. But now you have all these weapons like ex explosions and stuff. So you might end up killing someone you did not intend to kill. Uh, and then you have, for example, in the Quran, uh, it talked about the different uh, uh, means of transportation, like... Um, it mentioned the, the horse and the donkey. And then he said, And he will create something that you do not know. So why the Quran would mention something like that? I mean, back then, that was it. I mean, uh, it's like, these are the available uh, means of transportation, but in the future, you're going to see something different. And on and on. I mean, I can keep going, but uh, I don't know if these, those are the best examples, but these are some of the examples. All right, yes. Would the Quran be a proof because a human being can think of that to communicate? Yes, exactly. That's my point. Because this verse was mentioned in the Quran and it predicted that 1400 years ago. And back then, people did not think of other means of transportation. Yes. Correct. And yes. Then, and, then they, and then they took a Bible from a long time ago and they compared it to the new one and it changed it a lot, right? And no one denies that. They know that they changed it a lot. So yes, this is uh, true. They found a copy of the Quran that dates back, I don't know exactly how far back, but it's really old and it matched the current one. Yes. So obviously there are lots of other proofs, but today again we focus on... Uh, the existence of God. But obviously beyond that, we have to also prove, you know, Islam and the Prophet and all that. But obviously not enough time for today. Okay, so we're going to stop here, inshallah. And I'm going to try and exit if I can.